This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Illustrated Insider brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. Tim O'Malley here with Pete Sampson and Jake Brown, both of whom spent last week in Beaverton uh, covering the opening before we get to that and the big announcement from there for Notre Dame fans. Uh, there's a little bit of snippet of team news. Uh, unofficially, we think we'll hear from Brian Kelly for the first time uh, to start August camp on Thursday, August 6th. The team will then go to Culver where we expect to have uh, access to Kelly, some players, and, and probably a full practice on Friday August 7th, before they really settle in for their media-free version of camp there and uh, and a return to South Bend. But obviously the chief takeaway from uh, this past weekend at the opening is the addition of Chase Claypool uh, as the number 12 pledge in the 2016 class. Yeah, he was uh, he was good when he had opportunities to make plays, which wasn't a lot. Um, you know, there were definitely receivers who caught a lot more passes than Claypool did, but... Um, I like what Claypool brought to the table. I thought he had probably one of the best catches of the entire event, a juggling touchdown catch. Um, he also caught the ball well in traffic when he had opportunity. And I, I would definitely I would give him a little bit of credit. He took a, basically a shoulder or an elbow to the head uh, during the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament and could have just checked out for the rest of the event at that point. But put an ice back on it and, and got back out there. And, I mean, Jake, you, you've spent more time – sort of talking to him than I have, he seems like a like he'll be a pretty seamless fit for Notre Dame personality-wise, too. Yeah, perfect fit. Qu- kind of quiet, doesn't have a lot to say about himself, which always seems to trend well to Notre Dame. But, he, yeah, he's he's going to fit in well. I thought he, like you said, I thought he played well in his limited opportunities, um, and he runs well for a big guy. That was my biggest question is could he run with defensive backs at the opening? I thought he did a nice job. Yeah, and it's like you look at him and you're like, is he more – Alize Jones is he more Corey Robinson is you know he's he's got uh, poor man's Anthony Barr who can play defense I I don't really know um, I I would guess more towards Robinson as just being a big receiver um, but with Robinson Boykin St Brown uh, you just sort of wonder where the opportunities are going to come um, they certainly don't have a body type like him on defense which. I think it's, it's part of the appeal there. Yeah, but good luck trying to convince a yeah. kid that, like that that he should play defense. Yeah, and we have no idea whether he wants to or has the, the appetite for contact there. He plays some safety at uh, the high school level, but, I mean, Abbotsford, <laughs> British Columbia, which we did some uh, Wikipedia research <laughs> on over the, over the week to figure out how, how many people live there. Uh, main exports, was it was fur trading or timber? <laughs> yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, and... <laughs> But it's not even the highest level of Canadian high school football he's playing. So it's going to be a big jump in competition, which would probably lead to a redshirt, which maybe opens the door for a move to defense. I don't really know. But uh, he's definitely all of 6'5", and he's got a lot of room to fill out. So there's quite a bit of, uh, of, of potential there over the long haul. It, it, it seems like a flip when you're flipping scrimmage, you go from, for a guy like him, safety to playing 
I mean, the, it would be I, I can't see Sam linebacker, even though that's discussed. You have to assume that the defense would be the same. All I would really see would be rush end, right? I mean, you're not gonna. It, it would be apples to oranges for that guy to put his hand on the ground after playing wide receiver in Canada. I guess mean, he has very good feet, so I get it that people want to sack quarterbacks and stuff. But it seems like. Uh, as you mentioned, it's four guys in this class and, and two and counting for 2016. That's where all the competition comes in. I think we can at least, by the time he would play, we don't even we're not even discussing Brent Holmes anymore, right? Because he's not. It's not like he's taken over for those seniors or anything like that. But it, it still seems like you go from developmental wide receiver or hybrid tight end to complete project. On yeah, defense. I mean he's developmental. Yeah. Offense, defense, tight end, receiver, defensive end, linebacker, safety, whatever. He is going to need some time uh, to grow into a college football player, and that's fine. Um, they can afford to do that receiver. They can afford to do that tight end. Defensive end is kind of like where, well, you know, they don't really have a whole lot of guys there now. Could he help out you help you out sooner there than he could the, on offense? Probably, but um, you're right. It's, pro- it's a bigger project there, uh, and it's already a pretty big project. is, But it's just like... You really like the piece of material you're working with, which is the biggest takeaway when you know you beat Michigan and you beat Oregon. Um, and beating Oregon is significant to kids from the Pacific Northwest, so that's you know Oregon is a pretty nice brand name out there. The event was at Nike, um, so he went with the Under Armour School. <laughs> and three other pledges out there. I think you guys touched on Parker Boudreaux looked the best of the three. Of course, that's not necessarily fair because Tommy Kramer couldn't really compete physically. Um, and Tony Jones, as Jake mentioned in the video I saw, it's just tough for running backs to uh, to shine in that situation. Yeah, that's just not his. That's just not Tony's cup of tea. He's he's gonna be much better in pads, and he's kind of a one cut downhill type of a guy. He's not. He showed a little wiggle with the ball in his hands after making a catch, but it wasn't like some of these other guys that you, you see, you know, run around for a while after making a catch in seven on seven. And like you said, Tommy Kramer, he just. He couldn't do a lot because of the Ohio eligibility stuff. He couldn't get in pads, really. And he was okay without pads, but you don't, you just don't get a full evaluation of a kid when he's not competing in pads. Yeah, I, I liked what Kramer showed on Wednesday when sort of it was apples to apples where nobody was in pads. Um, you know, is he as quick as Steve Elmer was at that stage? I'm, I'm not sure that he, he was. I mean, we... We only saw Elmer in regional camps. We didn't see him at the opening where he was going against sort of elite guys. Um, but I remember Elmer basically shutting everybody down. And uh, Kramer against Jonathan Cooper, who's going to Ohio State, um, struggled a little bit. Uh, Cooper got the best of that matchup. And Cooper was, again, didn't wear pads, also from Ohio. Um, so you're getting more of an honest evaluation there. I thought Boudreaux, I, you know, to be honest, I went in sort of expecting to not like him. Uh, and I came out, I was like, oh, I think Notre Dame's got a really nice guard here. I've seen him listed anywhere from 6'4 to 6'5. He's, he's 6'3. Um, so, I mean, he's true guard build. That's fine. Uh, and then, yeah, Tony Jones, I, he's got to be a one-cut runner because he doesn't really have a second cut right now. And, you know, there are other guys like Tevin Feaster who's going to Clemson or DeAndre Swift, who's a, a top underclassman. These guys are three, four, five cut runners. Um, so I, but I like the straight ahead speed that, that Jones had. I think he tested in the four, six, six range, but then you watch him run in a straight line and you're like that. He's gotta be faster than that. And I think Jones was kind of, Came to his own defense and said, "Hey, I can run in the four fives." Um, and after watching him, I would I would believe it. Yeah, and that time too was I think it was in like the ninety fifth percentile of all the guys they timed all year. So it's not 
know, people get worked up about the 40 times, especially with running backs, but he's in the four sixes. It was one of the better times out there on a track that's probably more honest than some of them. So I think his, his straight line speed's fine. Yeah. So I think overall, getting one commit at the event, Notre Dame came away from that. They have a ton of targets, some new ones that I, we weren't even really tracking going into the event that popped up uh, as the week unfolded. And then, uh, you know, we learned a lot more about the targets. So we're going to get into all that in segment two on Irish Illustrated Insider as we recap the opening. We are back with segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. I want to put a bow on what Jake and Pete saw out of the opening and kind of talk about, if not trending Notre Dame's way, some guys that maybe Notre Dame made an impression on or made impressions on you going forward. Yeah, all the way Batiku for sure, um, since he looks like he's 26 years old and Notre Dame doesn't have anybody like him in this recruiting class or last recruiting class or the recruiting class before that. So defensive end out of Sarah High School, um, you know, I came out with the top six a while ago, and I sort of just dismissed it because five-star defensive ends don't seem to look at Notre Dame very seriously. But being around the kid a little bit, and Anna talked to him a couple times, this is a kid that would fit in really well at Notre Dame. Uh, and I don't think it's maybe the pipe dream that Rashawn Gary is, um, who has mentioned Notre Dame, but we're getting to the point where it's like, are you sure you're visiting Notre Dame? Because you keep saying you are, and then nothing seems to hit the schedule. So... Yeah, Batiku for me was far and away not necessarily a new name, but somebody that I had a new understanding of, man, Notre Dame could actually get this guy. And most important, that would be obviously the most important get. Going yeah, that's, that's, to me, he's, you're not, Notre Dame is not going to have a great recruiting class unless he's in it um, because there's not, I mean, there were a lot of defensive linemen at this event who all looked really good, but that was the only one Notre Dame seems to even have a shot with. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic from what I was watching more defensive backs and stuff, but and he looks looks like a million bucks. He looks like he's a fully developed, ready to go to the NFL guy almost. It's like you don't see guys like that very often. He brought some speed. Uh yeah, Notre Dame, like you said, hasn't had one of those guys since the Aaron Lynch class, really. Yeah, the instant really. impact, like can get on the field as a freshman type of a kid and it I feel like one of these days a defensive end is going to look at Notre Dame and go, I can play there really early. No one seems to do that. Maybe this is the one and maybe it's a good compromise between staying at UCLA or or staying out west and going to UCLA or going to Penn State um, closer to where his mentor would want him to go on the East Coast. But um, Notre Dame needs a guy like that really, really, really bad. There were a couple of new linebackers to sort of hit our radar, at least a little bit. They've been on Notre Dame's. I mean, you had Jonathan Jones out of Florida, who Parker Boudreaux was all over during the event. Um, you had Dontavious Jackson out of Texas, Houston area, that is, what, top 18, top 12, something ridiculous like that, but said he's going to officially visit for the Texas game. So that automatically puts you in a little bit more of a serious conversation. Um, so those were two guys. And then Jeffrey McCulloch as well. Uh, also said he was going to officially visit for the Texas game. Tested extremely well. Um, was I think I don't know if he was the top linebacker in terms of the testing that we saw on Wednesday, but he had to be top two, top three at worst. Um, maybe I don't think it necessarily carried over into the seven on seven portion of the event. But these were three linebackers that we didn't really know a whole lot about before we touched down in Portland and we came out of the event thinking, okay, these are guys that need to be on the master list. Yeah, I thought McCulloch was probably my favorite one in the 7-on-7. I watched a lot of him, and he 
played bigger, moved well in space, long arm kid. I liked him a lot, and he seemed like one of those guys that says, oh, you know, I want a really good education. But he actually meant it, which yeah. we'll get... I mean, there's no way Notre Dame won't impress him in that regard. So get him on campus, and you know, maybe the long term you have a shot there. Yeah, and it's like you had Jones and Dontavious Jackson, to me, are like Mike linebackers who are only Mike linebackers, whereas McCulloch looks like an outside linebacker who's probably going to grow into a middle linebacker and was the most athletic as those three guys. And I think that's that's so important going forward. You're not pigeonholing one guy to one linebacker position because even when a head coach and defensive coordinator or linebackers coach remains the same, you, you get some type of staff turnover where obviously they recruited guys to Diaco staff and, and they were stuck trying to put them in Van Gorder's scheme. So you're always going to have some type of change where – you want a, a little positional versatility up there. I understand that there are classic Mike linebackers, but it's you can't recruit three classic Mike linebackers into a class either. Yeah, definitely. I mean, other guys that you know are on the target list, Javon McKinley, receiver from out in California, Brandon Burton, a safety from out in California, who was a, a pleasant surprise to me. Um, he played both ways during the event, and I, I liked what I saw. And then uh, Demetrius Robinson from Georgia, who's sort of a, a two-way player as well. I think he could be a great receiver for anybody's system, uh, Notre Dame's included. I think he ran a four. He, he tested in the 4-3 range in the 40. I, I want to say there are only four players who are faster than him. Um, but he's he's not one of those speed receivers who's also 5-7. He's got really good length, has a big catch radius, can really go up and and high point the football. So th- those were three guys um, you know, that, that impressed me. And I think, Jake, you talked to Eric Cuffey a little bit down there. He was at a top 11, now at a top 8. Yeah, top 8, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Michigan, Texas, Baylor, TCU, and Arkansas. He reconfigured that after leaving the opening, got it down to 8. Sounds like Notre Dame will get another, will get another visit, an official visit in the fall. He said he's going to officially visit Michigan, too, which he hasn't seen yet. Um, had a lot of good things to say about Notre Dame. Really liked Todd Light. Um, I think in the end it'll be hard to get him out of Texas, as it always is, especially for a kid from Waco. Um, but, you know, they put their best foot forward there at the least and are going to get him on campus one more time. Yeah, it seemed like talking to people around there, they felt like Texas and Baylor, maybe not in that order, led for him. Um, but, you know, they got him up for the invasion. If he comes up for an official, then you're, you're a little bit more of a player there. You know, there are a couple of themes from the event that, you know, we, I think we sort of went into the, the opening wondering, okay, how, how does Notre Dame's recruiting stack up nationally? And I think the two things that struck me were they're playing catch-up with USC probably more now than they were going into the event, um, not only by USC adding a couple commitments, uh, but just by the, the number of guys who are looking at USC that are not looking at Notre Dame, and then also you get a sense for why the SEC is so good at these events because every defensive lineman is looking at the U.S. is looking at SEC schools. Um, I mean, Alabama's has just like an embarrassment of talent at these events, uh, commitments and targets. You know, LSU is there, Florida is there. Um, it's just it's very difficult for Notre Dame to compete on the defensive line. Uh, when you go to these events and then just see, oh, they've got another six foot guy, six foot five guy with a seven foot three wingspan, just running around. That was that really made an impression on me. It's it's kind of a sobering thought because I don't think 
not the NFL where quarterback is the most important, but I think quarterback is third in college football now behind defensive line and offensive line for needs. And I think number four behind quarterback is your backup defensive line. So it's mm-hmm. important. I know Notre Dame looks good in the future at quarterback and great at offensive line, but it's, you know, I think they'll develop into having a fine starting defensive line, but it's just having those reinforcements that you use like they did in 2012 or six guys play and the drop off between one and six isn't, just remarkable. It, it's obviously the you know, Lewis Nix was a lot better than Tony Springman at that point, but you didn't lose anything, and I think that's what you need going forward. And then, as you said, it's, it's a challenge at this point. Yeah, and it's not a question. That, you know, I'm sure some listeners are saying, "Well, like, hey, you don't need to have a, a defensive line as good as LSU or Alabama right now because they're not even on the schedule." And that's that's a fair point. But if we're talking about this in terms of what's it going to take to make the college football playoff. That's where you do need that depth, and you do do need that talent in the starting lineup. And and right now, Notre Dame's not there. Uh, I think the depth has gotten a little bit better as as the freshman class now becomes sophomores. But uh, in terms of having these guys who can just make something out of nothing, the the defensive end who throws an offensive tackle out of the way, and we saw some of those, or the defensive tackle who just rams an offensive guard straight into a camera tower um we saw some of that too and i'm not notre dame doesn't have that guy right now uh and aside from batiku in this class that's he was really the only guy at the opening that i think has a chance to deliver that kind of thing that's it for this edition of uh, irish illustrated insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com we are going to take next week off but plan to be back on july 27th uh until then for Jake Brown, Pete Sampson, vacationing Tim Priester, and myself. Thanks for listening.